So as we continue with Ladies' Night, we're going to discover hardworking women tonight, and we're going to look at two shorter passages. So we're going to go to a couple of different New Testament letters by the Apostle Paul. So what we'll do is we'll read them back to back. So we'll read Romans 16, 1 through 6, and then we'll flip a few pages over to Philippians 4, 1 through 3, and then we'll have a second reader read Romans 16, 1 through 6, and then flip a couple pages over to Philippians 4, 1 through 3. And what we're going to see in those passages is actually a collection of different Christian sisters that are specifically commended in these inspired writings for how hard and faithfully they worked for the sake of the gospel. As I alluded to last week in our study, very often my experience growing up in church has been that if there is a class or if there is a sermon on women's roles, that usually means it's a class or sermon on 1 Timothy 2, and on the fact that God has given men responsibility for teaching and leading in the Christian family. But that's not really a sermon on women's roles, that's a sermon on men's roles. That's a sermon on how we as brothers are supposed to take up, step up and take the responsibility God has given us to look out for his people. Our sisters have significant and multifaceted roles through which God can work through them in mighty ways. And far too often, us brothers, with that responsibility to lead and preach and teach, fall far short of the example that the Apostle Paul was inspired to give us of helping those ladies and doing the work God has given them to do. So tonight, we are going to try to peek at and learn from the examples of some sisters like that and see how we might encourage the hardworking women among us, help our sisters grow into people like the sisters we're going to read about here, and what role uh, we can all play as we work together for the sake of Christ. So ladies first... Who would be willing to give us our first reading of Romans 16, 1 through 6, and Philippians 4, 1 through 3? Mia, thank you. Which translation will we be coming to us from? Okay, so you are going to hear a word in Romans 16 for NLT that you're like, wait, what? And we'll talk about it. There's a reason it's translated that way. So when you hear it, that's why. And that will be one of the things we talk about tonight. So, Nia, go ahead. Romans 16, 1 through 6, and Philemon 4, 1 through 3. Do the best you can. It'll be great. Say it confident, and we'll think you're right. Person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. 
Amen. Now, Philippians 4, 1 through 3, Nia. So NLT gives us more of a thought-for-thought translation of that passage. Who else would be willing to read that for us? Those same passages again. Laney, you'll be coming to us from the New King James? So that'll be more of a word-for-word style translation. So Laney, if you could please read Romans 16, 1 through 6, and Philippians 4, 1 through 3, and we'll take it all in together as we hear it from a couple different perspectives. I like Phoebe, yeah. I'd say Epinatus. And then Philippians four, one through three. But then you can't stop at four. We would just have to keep going because it just it really takes off from there. But I do want to point out as we get ready to just summarize this, these are sections of the letter that I think traditionally we spend a little bit less time on. Part of that might be because some of those names are really hard to say. You know, so no preacher is going to put that in a sermon. They have to stand up there and try to pronounce that in front of everybody and have everybody second guess their pronunciation of it because that never happens. Um, but also, like, it's just, it's hard, right? And it's just, oh, it's just Paul saying hi to people. What really is in there for us to learn from? But actually, I'm kind of sweating, like, can we cover everything that there is to learn from even just these handful of verses in the time that we have? Because there are some truly beautiful glimpses of some truly awesome sisters 
that God was working through here. So even though Romans 16 is Paul wrapping up the letter and he's giving greetings, when you recognize what it is that Phoebe is doing and what it is that Paul's saying the church should do in response to Phoebe, when you hear how he's describing Priscilla and her husband Aquila and Mary, it starts to give us a glimpse at just how important Christian sisters are in the life of the church. And when we flip over to Philippians chapter 4, not only do we see that, but we also see among Iodia and Syntyche, my preferred pronunciations, some of the things that get in the way of our sisters being able to work. And if anybody feels like some of the situations that they were dealing with back then are just too different than situations we deal with, I have in code referred to some of the things that we have dealt with as Iodia and Syntyche type situations. So guess what? We still do it too. We have those times where even as people who love Jesus, we miss each other. So there's a lot in these passages, short though they are, to be very powerful and very helpful but also a little provocative, because what did the NLT call Phoebe? <laughs> well, we've just got to throw that translation out. Let's make an edict. Elders, can I, get, can I get approval that we will never allow the NLT to be read in this church building again? Don't actually respond to that, because I'm a little nervous what the response might be. But that's usually how we handle it, right? Like we read something in a translation, and we're kind of like, oh, I don't like that. We've got to get rid of that one. That's not the real word of God. But there's actually a reason for that. Because the word for servant in Greek that we transliterate to deacon is the word that's used there. So you read Philippians 2 and Jesus is described as a diakno. And we translate that as servant. You read 1 Timothy 3 where Paul gives the qualifications for elders and deacons. And we translate it deacon. But it's the same word. So there's a whole interesting study, and in fact, I've done daily devos about it, that the office of deacon is literally the office of servant. And that's compelling just even thinking of that. It's not the office of sitting in a meeting and telling the elders all the things they're doing wrong. It's the office of serving. Getting to work. Helping other people. Doing what needs done. How cool is it that that is literally one of the offices in the church? That there's a whole office that exists to just do stuff, to just help stuff get done. So that's already cool, just right there. But there is ambiguity among biblical scholars as to what's the best way to translate that. So more conservatively inclined folks, of which, full disclosure, that would be me, will read this. And because of the instructions that Paul gives in letters like 1 Timothy, where he puts going back to creation, God's design, as being men taking responsibility to look out for the family. And the church is God's family. We would traditionally, as ESV, as New King James renders it, envision Phoebe as being a servant of the church. It wasn't an office the way that we think about an office. She didn't get put up for a vote and got installed and she had this authority. 
She was somebody who worked. She was somebody who worked hard. And she was somebody who made a huge difference. However, it could be translated. Deacon or deaconess. And linguistically, that would not be completely incorrect. And some people read 1 Timothy 3. And have you ever noticed how 1 Timothy 3 says, here's the office of elder, and here's the office of deacon, and here's the office of deacon's wives? And that seems kind of random, right? Like, well, I know the deacon's wives have qualifications and not the elder's wives. And usually say, well, it probably applies to both. But some people point out that technically the word there isn't wife. It is woman. It's G-Y-N-E in Greek. You know, but when that word is usually used in conjunction with a man, it means wife. So whenever you see that word next to reference about a man, it usually means not just woman generically, but wife. So that's why it's usually translated that way. The deacon's wife likewise also. That is a really important passage right now. Because there's a lot of different congregations kind of wrestle with, like, well, how much of a role? Can ladies have in the church? Or can ladies even have a role in the leadership of the church? Like, could I get replaced with a sister to stand up here and be the pastor? One of the arguments that is made for that sort of thing is to look at Romans 16 and say, well, Phoebe. Now, there's a few issues with that, because even if she was a lady deacon, that's not the same as shepherd. That's not the same as what I'm more accurately known as, evangelist. So even if Phoebe was in fact holding an office, it wasn't that office. That's something completely separate. And when church historians acknowledge that, well, maybe it was an office, there was sort of a recognition like, because there's some stuff that dude deacons couldn't do. It just wouldn't have been appropriate. So you had your guy servants, and you had your girl servants. And the church was all working together. And God was glorified. We could spend all of our time just talking about that. And if this passage gets studied, that's usually what happens. We spend all the time with a lot of armchair Greek philosophers like myself talking about the ins and outs of this, that, or the other. I would rather not do that because there's things about Phoebe that we know with absolute certainty with no ambiguity that I think would be worth exploring. Things that Paul explicitly says, Phoebe did this. Not sort of conjecture like, well, we think it means that Phoebe would have done this. No. There's plenty of stuff that Paul point blank says, Phoebe did this. That I would be interested in spending our time together looking at. Would that be acceptable to everybody? May we focus on that? Would that be okay? There are more issues here that could be explored. And there are people a lot wiser than me that have wrestled with them a lot longer than I have. But what I would like for us to focus on tonight is what unambiguously, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul tells us ladies were doing. How the church was to respond to those ladies and to then think about how we might support our sisters the same way. Does that sound agreeable? So if we were to sum up what Romans 16 and Philippians 4 actually says we read, how would you sum it up? 
Ladies first. As you think about these different people that get mentioned, the reason Paul's mentioning them, what would be your summary? Start with Romans 16. Lady. certain people, in Romans, men and women, but for our purposes we'll focus on the ladies, focusing on specific people because the way they conducted themselves, the way that they worked with him and others for the sake of the gospel was exemplary. It was commendable. It was worthy of the church giving time and attention and support because what they were doing was making a difference. So Paul, writing as an inspiration inspired author is specifically naming names for people that stood out for how wonderfully they served the Lord. And a lot of those names are lady names. There are a lot of women that are receiving that sort of commendation. What else might we add to our summary? Lainey gave us a great start. Anybody, brother or sister, what would we add just in trying to summarize this? Vicky. Welcome her in a, a way worthy of the Yes. So in both of these cases, Paul is not only giving us examples of exemplary Christian sisters, but he is giving these brothers and sisters concrete instructions of things to do to support them. So there's both that example of here's what it looks like to be a great servant of the Lord, but then there's also, and here's how you need to support people like that. And there are some specific things that you should do. Now, in Phoebe's case, it's very much like you make sure she's got what she needs. But what about over in Philippians 4? What seemed to be the sense of what was going on with Iodia and Syntyche? Being of the same mind, it sounds like those sisters might have been having a disagreement. Did anybody else notice that? Here you had two ladies who Paul said, love the Lord, were critically important to his ministry. But they were mad at each other. Does that ever happen? Does that ever happen? Yeah, that happens. It happens a lot. That's pretty real. It's real life. So here, Paul not only recognizes that these are ladies that make a difference, but he recognizes, but as long as this friction's going on, it's going to impact the gospel. Like, it's going to impact how effective we could be. So you all, as a church, help them. If you're my true companion in the gospel, help them get past this. Help them work this out. Because they are too valuable to me and they are too valuable to you for their fruitfulness in God's kingdom to be limited by this disagreement they're having. Even though their names are hard to pronounce, I think that's worth reading. That's a pretty compelling thing, right? 
So my one-sentence summary of it, that's probably a wrong sentence, Paul expresses deep appreciation for several hard-working Christian women, recognizing their impact, and urging the church to help. Because across both of these passages, that's what we're seeing there. So what are some details that stand out to you as we consider this? Ladies first, some details that struck you as we read these passages. Thank you. Thank you. about Priscilla. Yeah. Because I think that she was a strong woman who followed her husband all that years whenever he had to go and um, help him teach. And, you know, that she loved God. Mm-hmm. And that she loved him. So we have several key ladies that get highlighted in this passage, and our sister Vicky was drawn to Priscilla. Priscilla is a married lady. Her husband's name is Aquila. We meet them in Acts chapter 18, where they worked as tent makers. They were Jewish by background. They had lived in Rome. They had to leave Rome because all Jews got kicked out of town, and Paul meets them in Corinth because he also is trained as a tent maker, so they start working together. And what Vicki called out there about her faithfulness to move with and support her husband was actually something that caught my attention too because when we first meet Priscilla and Aquila, they were in Corinth. But then by the end of the chapter, they had moved to Ephesus. And when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, which we believe was from Ephesus, he says, Aquila and Priscilla greet you. So they were there in Ephesus. But now, as he's sending Phoebe with this letter to Rome... They're in Rome. So here are people that in the space of just a few years had lived in three different places, yet everywhere they went, they were serving the Lord. Paul had phrased it in such an interesting way there in Romans 16, where when he's talking about Prisca, a shortened version of the name in Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, he said that they risked their necks for my life, and not only was he thankful, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Because in Corinth and in Ephesus and now in Rome, these were churches where the gospel was going out to people that hadn't grown up knowing about the one true God. So here's a Jewish married couple, and they're going out and serving God in a bold way, in a courageous way, at sacrifice, they're on the move, but everywhere they go, they're serving God. And it seems that they do it as a team. In Romans 16, it's interesting that Priscilla gets named first because that's not the naming convention. But I don't think we can read too much into that because in Acts 18, it flips back and forth. Sometimes Aquila's first, sometimes Priscilla's first. In 1 Corinthians 16, Aquila's first, then Priscilla's mentioned. So they flip back and forth. So instead of standing up here and making an argument, so Priscilla was really important, I would be inclined to say they were a really good team. This was a husband and wife team of which the wife, played a very important role that had a very big impact across multiple places. And they were brave. Risked their own lives to help out Paul. Wouldn't you love to know what that story was? Was that something that went down in Corinth or something that went down in Ephesus? What did they do? But they clearly, like, they took a big chance. They could have gotten killed. And they did it just to help out Paul. She did it. 
just to help out Paul. That's pretty compelling. Like you think about what kind of courage is on display there. That one of our sisters is mentioned as being part of a group that risked their own neck. Other details that stand out to us. How about Phoebe? If we back up to Phoebe in Romans 16, what are some details that we see about her? Since Vicky got us started, anybody, brother or sister, can jump in here. Jay. One of the things with Phoebe that I was just very compelled by with this, a lot of folks these days point to Romans as being one of Paul's most significant works. It's the longest, that's why it's the first one listed in the New Testament, but there are just so many critically important Bible truths that we learn about from the book of Romans. And Paul entrusted it to this sister to get it to Rome. Because when he says, I commend to you Phoebe, that means she was there when it got delivered to them. That's how much he trusted her. That's how valuable he found her. Paul was the one that God appointed as an apostle. Paul was the one that God inspired to write this. But Paul trusted Phoebe to get it to Rome and make sure it got in the hands of the right people. Uh, So from where he was at that point, I didn't look that up. We would have to take a look. So at that point in the journey, he's wrapping up the third missionary journey and he's working his way back around from Asia, especially where he had been in Ephesus, to start working his way down towards Jerusalem. So it would have been a little bit of a journey. It's compelling that he trusted her that much. That she had this reputation, as Jay pointed out, of being somebody who is a servant. Of being somebody that was, ESV says, a patron of many and of Paul. That when people needed something, they knew they could come to Phoebe. Need a place to stay? Go see Phoebe. Need a little help paying for this mission trip? Go see Phoebe. You need something? Go talk to Phoebe. Phoebe will get you taken care of. Phoebe will make sure things get done. Powerful witness. Larry. We do, we do the same thing that Paul does. You know, someone who comes here with his second son is a really good worker in the which just tells you from that that she was a really good worker. And she was, she needed help. And part of the reason why all the time is that let her know who she was. Yeah. Quite the commendation, right? Or what about Mary of Rome? This is the only thing we know about her. And what do we know? God's Holy Spirit breathed out through Paul. Mary's a hard worker. 
We don't know anything else about Mary of Rome. But she works hard. What a beautiful thing to have said about you. What a beautiful thing to have written about you in what is now our scripture. It's amazing. Other details between Romans or as we think about Philippians. Things about Philippians 4 that stood out to us as we read it in terms of details. Lance. One detail that I notice is when he talks about the two ladies having problems, but he, he still says names are written in the book of life. So just because we have squabbles doesn't mean we're disqualified. That's right. We're people. And God loves us, and that's why we have grace. We've got to give grace to each other. So it's a beautiful example of, come on, learn to get along with each other and help each other help each other. That's right. <laughs> Excellent illustration, Lance. That sort of recognition like, look, you're all going to be together for eternity. So really, we can work this out. Powerful example there. Other details that stand out to us as we consider that in, in Philippians. Jay. Well, I think um, Paul had a closeness with them that he did with a lot of others. He, he calls them that his joy in the mm-hmm. I mean, it is like, um, you are my greatest achievement. Mm-hmm. So when he says, so help these ladies work this out, you can tell that's heartfelt. You can tell that he really cares about them. He means it. Vicki? Yeah. That's right. And that's part of why I selected the song that we sang tonight. You know, because you're my brother, you're my sister. So take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. Like that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be able to experience unity, but specifically in the Lord. Because that's a phrase that comes up quite a bit there. He says a lot about in the Lord. So let's transition to talking about what these passages tell us about God. Ladies first, what's something that you can tell about God just as we read these verses? So it is God's plan, it is his desire that we love one another, that we work with one another. That's how his will gets done. Anybody, what else do we learn about God here? Women are incredibly valuable to God. When we read passages like this, when we read them the way they were originally written, in the context they were originally intended, not just for whatever topic we want to debate. Can you really say Paul hated women? Not if you're being honest. But we don't always let passages like this stand out because we latch on to parts of them because we've got an agenda and we've got a point we're trying to make and we've got something we want to emphasize. But if you just step back and let God speak... God loves women. His apostles loved their sisters and found them incredibly important in their ability to share the gospel. They were crucial in being able to get stuff done. How about that in the Lord? 
Did you notice how that came up? There were several times there across both of those readings, you know, where it would talk about in the Lord, that the way that they welcomed Phoebe should be fitting for those that are in the Lord. It talked about how they were co-workers together in Christ Jesus. It talked about how uh, Yodia and Syntyche and Philippians needed to agree in the Lord. I thought that was just really interesting phrasing because we understand being in the Lord, that means we're committed. We've been united with Christ in baptism. We're part of His body and we're working together And that gives me the recognition that when you're in the Lord, the way we relate to each other changes. When you've got somebody like Phoebe that works hard for what God wants, there's a way normal people would welcome some lady that just shows up. But then there's a way you should welcome her. Because you're saints. Because you're in the Lord together. So whenever you're in the Lord, that kicks it up a notch. You know, there's a way that people might agree or disagree, but when you're in the Lord, you find ways to work through it. Even if you don't see exactly eye to eye, because you're in the Lord. So there's some things that are more important than who was right and who was wrong. That unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, that matters more. So we're going to agree in the Lord. I might not convince you, you might not convince me, but we're going to put Jesus first. In the Lord. Changes our relationships. Ladies first, what can we tell about people? There's quite a bit there. Some of it we've already touched on, but what would we add to it? What are some things that we can learn about people, sisters? Vicki. We don't always get along. Sometimes, even among fellow followers of Jesus, we are going to have tension. Interesting implication with that, that then means when that happens, you work on it. Sometimes we sort of get this idea of like, oh, church is broken, I'm going to quit going. Nope. You work on it. Because people are going to have problems. Even people who love Jesus are sometimes going to have problems. You work on it. You don't shrug at it. Nope, because it happens. You don't get mad and take all your marbles and go home. You work on it. Other things that we see about people, brother or sister. Yeah, we need true companions sometimes. And we got to be not judgmental in that situation. It's work through it, not you know try to hurt anybody. Let's love ourselves through this in the Lord, letting Him be the guide and lead. Excellent comment, Laney. What were you going to add for us? Beautiful thought, Lainey. Thank you. Other things, John? You know, active churches have figures and marriages and equivalent. So, we're blessed to have figures and marriages and equivalent. Yeah. 
one of the things that struck me similar to the point that John's making is these were real people. These were real, living, breathing human beings who had some of the same struggles and the same aches and pains we have. And they woke up each day and they served the Lord. And we're talking about them 2,000 years later because of that. But that means that there's the opportunity for us too. Right? Nothing said in here was like, I commend to you, Phoebe. I've never seen somebody that could heal the blind like that lady. I commend to you, Mary. She has raised more dead people than anybody else. It's absolutely astonishing. That wasn't part of this. We are talking about these ladies because they love Jesus. And they helped spread the gospel. And they worked hard. And they served. And they had disagreements. And they needed help to work through it. And we are still talking about them. So that means we've got that same potential. That the ways we work hard and the ways we sort out our issues and the ways that we serve and put other people first and show that we're trustworthy and become that person that folks know when they need something, that person's going to be there. That whenever there's an opportunity, there's just some people that you know, they're going to be there. I don't even need a sign-up sheet. Like I can tell you exactly who's going to be there because that's just who they are. And we've got that too. And that's a blessing. And when we recognize that, we want to commend it. And we want to encourage that. We want to hold that up as an example. Not so that their heads swell, but to praise Jesus for giving them to us. And help us all see, to help our younger ladies see, this is who you want to grow into. This would be a great person for you to be like. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus as a real life woman living in our world. They had people like that, and Paul commended them. We have people like that, and it's a blessing. Any other thing about people we might mention? Yeah. So when you see just how far they were willing to go, then that can inspire us that there's more that we can do. As much as we're blessed, there's ways that we can grow even more faithful. There's ways that we can grow even bolder because people like us with God's help did it. And God helps us too. So there's no reason in the world why we can't be able to aim that way because we can imitate them as they imitated Jesus. Good thought, Pam. Thank you for that. So how do we put this into practice? I will what? Ladies first. When you see some of the things that we're noticing here, what's something that's just on your heart to say? I will what? As we start this for the Lord. I will help those that are working for the Lord. That's a great one. Brothers or sisters, what might we say as things that we will do so that we're practicing this? Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. Think So everybody appreciate you just heard an elder in the church, one of the shepherds of this congregation saying, I will encourage 
the women in the work that they do. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, Paul said. That's where we want to be, brothers. The only time the ladies hear us talking about them can't be when we're making a joke about them. It can't be when we're saying what they can't do. We need to encourage them. Our older ladies, our younger ladies, need to hear from up here, need to hear in our Bible studies, need to hear in our conversation, God has use for you. God is doing amazing things through you. You are not defined by what you can't do. There is so much that God can and will and is accomplishing through you. They need to hear that from us. We need to give them that encouragement. We need to help them see those ways that we see potential in them that maybe they don't so that they can use those gifts and glorify God and we can all rejoice together. Other I wills, things that we could put into practice here. Thank you. So look at how far that went. That's beautiful. Praise God. Other I wills. I'm glad you added that, Laney. That was great. If not, then who needs this that we're going to tell? How could we share something from tonight? What might be something, an opportunity that God tees up for us? Ladies first. What might be something, sisters, that something just from tonight that you think, you know what, I don't want to mention this to somebody. Encourage the younger. Yeah. For us growing up. So as we see... Yeah. So absolutely, very shareable. We've got a whole bunch of wonderful young ladies 20 feet away. So taking something from this and just going out of our way to encourage them. Knowing how much that encouragement can mean, as Lainey pointed out for us. That would be a beautiful way to share. Our brother Nick made a comment last week just as it related to the apologetics arguments and how some people want to sort of question the Bible or suggest, oh, it's just a bunch of men that wrote it a long time ago. It's not really inspired. So if you encounter somebody who's like, oh, well, but you know, Paul hates women, you've got something you're ready to share. And I'm like, actually, no, he doesn't. Have you ever read Romans 16? Can I read this to you real quick? Just listen to this. Yeah! But that's fine. You play in a deceit. So if you ever encounter somebody that tries to hold that up, like, oh, Christianity is anti-women. Actually, listen to this. Or if they won't listen to six verses of Romans, take them to two verses of Philippians 4. You can do that instead. But these are some passages to keep in your pocket because Paul did not hate women. Christianity is not anti-women. And that's without even putting it in the cultural context, like Nick mentioned last time. 
if you look at what the world was like for women, then this is really saying something. But even without that, you just read the plain words. You can see the love that God has for our sisters. You can see the appreciation his apostles had for their sisters. There's nothing anti-woman about this. If it comes across that way, we're handling it wrong. But if we're rightly handling the word of truth, you can't arrive at that conclusion. Larry. Apollos. And that was one of the rare instances, if I remember right, where her name was mentioned first, even. Yep. And it made a huge difference for the sake of the gospel there and in Corinth and beyond. So there is power in that. One of those important people, your husband, you remember verbalizing Thank you, Lance. Jay. I was saying, you know, um, the sisters are the first and the best at thanking to me and giving us encouragement. I appreciate that. Yeah. Very encouraging. Praise God.